I see so many on Facebook who say that they're alone. They have no Christian friends or that their only friend is their husband. Those who are struggling in life, in their marriages, their families, or with their jobs, and have no one else to talk to. Our Christian walk was never meant to be alone. All throughout Scripture, God talks to us about having fellowship with other believers and even warns us that we are actually in some pretty dangerous territory if we try to do it on our own without anyone else to walk beside us. In this episode, we're taking a look at what is referred to as the one another's in the Bible, the dangers of not having that Christian fellowship that we need, and how to change this by being intentional in developing our relationships with a few close friends. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting a loving Christian marriage but are unsure what that looks like or how to get it? Do you have fears about becoming a submissive wife, afraid that you'll lose your identity or become a doormat? Do you have thoughts that maybe you're doing this whole wife and marriage thing all wrong and you want to know how to do it right, to stop worrying all the time and to learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Christian mentor, Bible teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to have a loving biblical marriage and what the true meaning of being a submissive wife really looks like. We'll also chat about how to find wisdom and truth for life's challenging questions in His Word, how to apply God's truth to our lives, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for your marriage, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. Before I get started today, ladies, I have to tell you that as I'm recording this, I am watching little snow flurries outside, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and I love it. We live in Texas. It gets really cold here sometimes, but we do not see snow very often, and so I'm loving watching it, and I'm loving the fact that this time we have electricity. During Snowmageddon, we were without electricity for four solid days. That was an adventure. Um, but now we have electricity, and so it, this is uh, this is just kind of awesome to watch and, and uh, makes me happy today. All right, so I have told you ladies before, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I wasn't taught or led by example what a biblical marriage was to look like, what my role as a godly wife was to be, or even as a child of God was to be, what was sin and what wasn't sin. And I learned all of these things by being in church, by attending Bible studies, and having fellowship with other believers. I have been walking with the Lord now for over 40 years, and God has used each church service, Bible study, Sunday school, or women's retreat to teach me something about Himself, about following Him, and about trusting His Word, and about how to be that godly wife and friend and mom and woman that I have wanted to be. 
He has used others in my life as examples in showing me what I needed to change. You know, I grew up thinking that it was all about me. You know, that's how we were in my family. And it was all about me and what I could say about me. And I remember leaving conversations, you know, going to lunch with with another woman and leaving going, I know nothing about her. Like she knows everything about me and she asked me questions and I I just sat there and talked about myself and I don't know anything about her. And God really convicted me in that and helped me to see that I needed to change that about myself and that I needed to be willing to listen as much as I am willing to speak. I have had dear friends by my side um, during some of the most difficult things in my life, those who guided me during challenges in my marriage, those who helped me when my husband crashed on his dirt bike and ended up in ICU, or those who lifted me up and, and took care of me and my family when my brother was dying of cancer. And it is during these hard times that we see the importance of our relationships and I have also had times through various circumstances in my life and things changing at church and people moving away and that sort of thing that I didn't have anyone to turn to. And I felt alone, that there were things that happened in my life that I wanted to share with someone and there wasn't anyone there to share it with. This is not what God intended for us. And it is up to us to follow his word and to make changes in our lives. Not that we have to do it all by ourselves because he comes alongside of us and he helps us and he encourages us and he has those people in our lives that he wants us to be around and to be with. The term one another is used 100 times in 94 verses in the New Testament to give us instructions on having unity with one another, how to love one another, the art of humility, and so much more. God would not have spent so much time teaching us how to be together if he meant for us to be alone. So then what are some of these one another's in the Bible that I'm talking about? The first one we have is in Mark 9, 50, where it says, have peace with one another. In Ephesians 4, 2, it says, loneliness and gentleness with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. And then later in Ephesians in 4.32, it says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. In James 5.16, we find, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Galatians 5.13 tells us, Through love, serve one another. And then Romans 12.10 be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. And then Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Romans 12.15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. All of these require us to be close to one another, to share our lives with them and be willing to have them share their lives with us. By doing so, we become an effective part of the body in Christ. We share what Christ's love is. We lift up and encourage one another. We learn from one another and we are there for one another in our times of need. That is what being a part of the body of Christ is all about, ladies. I'm sure now you're seeing many of the benefits to this, 
But know too that there are also dangers and consequences for not following God's teaching. In Ephesians 4.32, we saw that we are to forgive, be kind, tenderhearted towards one another. But then we read in Mark 11.26, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And then Proverbs 21.13 tells us, Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. The one another's in scriptures are not just suggestions for dealing with other people. They are commandments of God for those who are his children. They are what we're supposed to be doing and trusting in him and following his teaching in this. And we are also warned of the dangers of being alone. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, God describes for us the value of a friend and the dangers of not having any. Listen to what he says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. But if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So it tells us in this verse, woe to him who falls alone, because there's no one there to pick him up again. And that when we are alone, we can be overpowered by another. However, when we have someone beside us, or we have that three-fold cord, we will stand strong. In these verses, he is clearly telling us to not walk this Christian life alone and shows us the dangers of doing so. If we continue in our walk alone and do not take the time to build relationships with others, then who will we turn to? When we need encouragement to press on, when we are overwhelmed by life or tempted by the enemy, when we are fearful or hurting, or we have questions about how to live out our faith, or we just need somebody to talk to for our daily struggles and concerns and things that are going on in our life. Who will be there to encourage us, to help us to stay strong in our faith? Who will lift us up and pray with us and for us when life gets hard? Without this threefold cord of a few faithful friends, we are more apt to fall into temptation, be discouraged by circumstances, and head down a path that will lead us away from God. And let me tell you, ladies, the enemy he is right there and he lies to us and he tells us that we don't need anybody else. We don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. We don't need that Christian fellowship in our lives. And he does this in order to weaken us, in order to get us alone. It's like that, you know, that wolf that looks for that lonely sheep who is away from his flock and doesn't have the protection of his flock. That's what the enemy is trying to get you to do when he tells you to not go to church. Oh, they're all hypocrites anyway. Do Christians sin? Yes, we do. We all do. You're never going to find the perfect church. You're never going to find the perfect people and everything is, you know, perfect and wonderful and you never get hurt or you never have difficulties. That's not life. That's not what happens. But we need to go and to have that fellowship and to be with those other believers and stop allowing the enemy to tell us that we don't need it or that it's not important. He's only doing that 
to keep you away and to keep you tied down and away from God and away from those who will lift you up and to make you strong and to guide you in the ways of the Lord. So don't listen to him. Don't allow the enemy to feed you these lies. Don't be buying into it. So we have a great example in scripture in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is one of my favorite um, stories in the Bible. And I can only imagine how this story of faithfulness would have turned out differently if they had faced this, you know, challenge that they had alone and not together. In case you're not aware, so these three men were faced with a decision of either denouncing God by worshiping the gods of King Nebuchadnezzar and the golden image that he had set up, or to be thrown in the fiery furnace to be burned to death. And we find this story in Daniel chapter 3. And so the three men stood strong, knowing that even if God didn't save them in this, They would rather die than betray their Lord. The men were bound and thrown into the burning furnace, but they were not burned. Instead, God met them in the midst of the fire. And when King Nebuchadnezzar saw four men standing in the fiery furnace, he was amazed. He called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the flames and saw for himself that they were neither burned and they didn't even smell like smoke because God had saved them. That fourth person that they saw in there is believed to be Jesus that was with him. So in Daniel 3, verse 28, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. These three men were able to stand strong in their faith because they did it together. So think about if they were alone, how much more difficult it would have been. But because they were together, they were able to encourage one another. They were able to remind each other of God's truth and God's faithfulness and to stand strong together. There is also a danger in learning the precepts written in God's word when we are alone. God tells us that iron sharpens iron. And he tells us this in Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Without the benefit of others who have walked you know, in faith longer than we have, who have been transformed by the Holy Spirit and experienced what it is to truly have that test of faith and to live out your faith, we can be led astray by misunderstanding the scriptures and what their true context are and how we really live this out. When we try to learn the scriptures by ourselves, this is another place where the enemy steps in and tries to make us doubt. And he'll ask us, does it really say that? And he did this with Eve and he does it with us. It's an old tactic, but he uses it all the time. He is all too ready to help us justify our sinful behavior and to lead us down a path of destruction by making us doubt what we read or by helping us to twist it into what it is that we want it to say. So then what are we to do? How do we begin to have the fellowship that we need with other believers, the fellowship that we are called by God to have? Well, we need to be intentional about our fellowship. And this starts with prayer, praying for God to give you the boldness to walk up to someone and say hello. 
for him to guide you to those that he wants in your life. And trust me, as I said before, he has them all picked out already. He knows who it is that he wants you to befriend and to get to know and to share his word with and to learn from. Here are some ways that you can do that. So attend a solid Bible teaching church. Before you attend, look up their statement of faith. See what it is that they're doing. Make sure that it is in line with scripture. When you attend the church, make sure that they are teaching out of God's word. It's not just one verse and then the rest he's just talking, or they don't even open their Bibles, but make sure that they are going to God's word and that they are teaching it in a solid manner. And then attend a Bible study, preferably a women's study, because this is where we really learn and get close friends with other women and have that iron sharpens iron kind of relationship. And attend Sunday school. This is a great place to get to know other couples and to be able to build that relationship and somebody else who is maybe married and that knows what you're going through about the same age as you. A lot of Sunday school classes are divided up by age. Or know too that if it's a couple that's a little bit older than you or a little bit younger, that's good too, because we're all at different places in our walk. So, you know, don't just kind of shut that out that they're a different age because we're all at different places in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. Participate in various church activities. This could be some kind of fellowship night or dinner night or a cleanup day or a special event that they're happening. Become a part of a ministry. You know, ladies, sometimes the best way to help ourselves and to get, get out of our own way is to help others and to serve in ministry in some way. And then if your church is having a women's retreat or you know of another church that is, go. I know that it can seem really scary and a bit uncomfortable and like, well, where are we going to sleep? And I have to sleep with somebody else and, you know, whatever it is. But ladies, that is so worth it. Because this is where you really begin to build a bond with the other women and really get to know them as you spend that time with them. And so I totally encourage you to do that. When you go to one of these events, be intentional about getting to know people. Sit next to somebody that you don't know and say, hello, it's okay. They're not going to bite you. I promise Ask questions about them and get to know them and who they are and be willing to share a little bit about yourself as well. In a Bible study that I taught recently, we went through a book titled Growing Your Faith by Jerry Bridges. And I've mentioned this book before and I totally recommend it um, to you. It is a great book if you want to go pick it up. In it, he talks about having spiritual fellowship with another believer and having a few close friends. And in this, he talks about spiritual fellowship is not corporate worship or a group Bible study like I had just talked about, but it's a relationship between two or three believers who want to help each other grow in Christ. Someone that you're particularly close to and that you can trust. Another woman, ladies, please don't pick a man to do this. It is not, it's not a good idea. We tend to share things that are close, that are personal, and it always leads to a problem. And also, don't make it your husband. You need to have another woman, somebody who thinks like you, somebody who goes through some of the same trials and difficulties that you do, someone that you can go and talk to and say, hey, 
I'm having this problem with my husband. I'm having, you know, I need you to tell me, am I being unreasonable? Am I, do I need to have a different perspective on this? Have you ever dealt with this? So it needs to be another woman that you um, have this kind of friendship with. And I shared before, there have been times in my life when I have had these kinds of friends and it has made all the difference in the world and times when I didn't. And I missed it. And I know that you do too, ladies, but you have to get out there. You have to take that first step in making this happen and in saying hello and in putting yourself in a place where you can meet people. You're not going to meet them at home. You're not going to meet them by watching church on TV or on YouTube. You need to go there. It's okay. Take that step. Trust me. So we're going to dig into this a little bit more, and I have five questions that we're going to answer about spiritual fellowship. And the first one is why spiritual fellowship is vital to our spiritual growth. And it is because it is that one-on-one intimate relationship that helps both you and the person that you're with grow in God, to grow in His teaching as individuals in whatever is happening in your life at the moment. You know, when we go to church, we hear whatever it is that the pastor wants to teach us. When we go to Bible study or Sunday school, we're hearing whatever the book happens to be about or whatever the Sunday school lesson happens to be about. But when you have that individual fellowship with another believer where you can talk about what's happening in your life and dig into scriptures together, then it's more intimate for you and what God is teaching you at that time. And God uses this. And as we talked about before, iron sharpens iron. And this is where this happens. When you meet together with another believer to look at scriptures and to discuss what is happening in your life at the moment and what's happening in their life at the moment, that's when we get that iron sharpens iron. I do have a listener of the podcast that she told me this, and it is such a great idea, and I'm so blessed by the fact that she does this. And so I think it's her sister-in-law. So her and her sister-in-law both listen to the podcast, and then once they've done so, they get together on the phone because they don't live close by. So they get together on the phone, and they discuss it. And it's so awesome because you're never going to remember everything that I say. So by discussing it, one may remember one thing and the other remembers something else. And so they can talk about it to one another and help each other remember what was taught. And then they can also help each other in, okay, how do I apply this to my life? What is the best way that I can do this with my husband or in my marriage or, you know, whatever the case may be. But because they're discussing it, then they have that opportunity to really be able to dig in a little bit deeper and to find out how to take God's word and apply it to their lives and to make the changes that God wants them to make. When we looked at Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12 a few minutes ago, and we looked at those dangers of not having that relationship, but let's look at the benefits that it says in there too. It tells us that two are better than one and that they have a good reward for their labor. And then also that when one falls, his companion will come and lift him up, which we all need from time to time. There isn't anyone who doesn't fall. There isn't anyone who doesn't sin or have difficulties or make mistakes. 
And we need that person to come and lift us up and to help us or circumstances and trials come to our life. And we need that person to come and to help us or maybe overpowered by another, but two can withstand him. You know, the enemy tempts us and he tries to lead us astray all the time. And sometimes we can't see it, but that friend who is with us, that one who knows us well, they can. And they can help us and say, hey, I think you might want to rethink this for a minute because I think that the enemy is condemning you and speaking to you and making you feel unworthy. Or I think that the enemy is feeding you lies in what your husband is doing or, you know, whatever it is. But that other person can help us when we are being tempted by the enemy and he is trying to drag us down. They can help to hold us accountable when we are struggling with some kind of a sin or temptation in our lives and help us to be able to change that. And we've talked before about when we confess our sins to someone else, then the enemy loses his power over that. When it's not a secret anymore, then the enemy loses his power to be able to condemn us for that and to make us feel like we are unworthy. So question two is, What does this kind of spiritual fellowship include? Well, it is a personal fellowship with God. It includes that personal fellowship that you have with the Lord. Time spent alone with God in prayer and is reading his word because you need to have that food from the Lord yourself, not just what you're getting from your friend, but you need to have it for yourself and be able to share that with them. And then a mutual commitment and responsibility to each other. So this is faithfulness and getting together at a particular time, maybe once a week or once a month or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And then an openness and honesty with one another, being willing to share your life and being honest about your feelings a confidentiality in that you keep the strictest confidence of whatever you are told, being sure not to share it with anyone, and in some cases, not even your husband. And then a responsibility to encourage them, to admonish them when you see that they are being led astray, and to pray with them and for them. A key aspect of this is to share biblical truth. So it also includes time together that is centered on God's word, where you're going to look up scripture together or maybe share journaling notes or memorizing scripture together. You're going to discuss how you're going to take those biblical principles that you're learning and how you're going to apply them to your life and how you're going to trust in God and allow him to change your life. And then you need to be sure to be listening as much as you are sharing. Don't make the mistake that I had made where I was constantly sharing and constantly talking about me, but not taking that time to listen to my friend and to find out what their needs were and what their struggles were. It does require an openness with one another. We are not only to share biblical truth, but also what is happening in our lives, what our life's challenges are, what our struggles are, when we mess up, And we all do this and we need to realize that they're going to mess up and they're going to tell you about it and you're going to mess up and you can tell them about it. And it needs to be somebody that you feel comfortable in sharing this and comfortable in sharing the blessings that are in your life as well. When God blesses us and does wonderful things for us, we need to be sharing those great things too. There is an accountability in this. 
In Colossians 3.16, it tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. To admonish someone is to give them a warning or to disapprove of their actions in a gentle and earnest manner. We are not doing our friend any good if we are allowing them to continue in sin and not say anything. Now, we must do this with all the love and grace and mercy that we can possibly do it with, but we need to admonish them and let them know when they're heading in the wrong direction, when their thought process is not in line with God. We need to be there for them, and we need them to be there for us, and we need to be accepting of that admonishment as well. And then to be accountable to pray for one another. We cannot be truly effective in helping one another grow in Christ without prayer. We do not grow in the knowledge of God or the admission of the Lord on our own. We only do this by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, praying for the Holy Spirit to work in each of your personal lives. This is a vital part of this relationship. So question four is what are the recommended qualifications for someone in this kind of relationship? And you probably know what some of them all are already by what I've talked about. And remember that these are not only qualities that you're looking in someone else, but these are also qualities that you need to have as well. The first one is a desire to truly change and to grow in the Lord. That you don't just want lip service, but you want to do good, that you want to read God's word and to do it and to change your life. An ability to understand and identify your struggles in an objective way and to identify their struggles in an objective way. An ability to keep the strictest of confidence, ladies. If you're thinking of having this kind of a relationship with someone and then you realize that they come to you and they talk to you about other people in your church or in your Bible study, then this is probably not the person that you want to have this kind of a relationship with. So be thoughtful in this, be prayerful in this, a willingness to make a commitment towards your spiritual welfare and you towards their spiritual welfare as well. Not that they're going to have all the answers or not that you're expected to have all the answers, but you are willing to both together to pray and to search the scriptures together and a willingness to be honest and to hold one another accountable. I have a friend of mine that we get on the phone once a month and I asked her, hey, I've got these few things that I need you to hold me accountable in to make sure that I get done. And, you know, you think about that when you're planning your day and you look at that to-do list and there's that item that you know that you've told her, I need you to ask me about this. It makes a difference, ladies, because you go, oh, I know she's going to ask me, so I better get that done so I have something to tell her when we talk again. And then five is lastly, how does God feel about spiritual fellowship? Well, ladies, he delights in it. This is something that I learned from this book that I had no thought of before, but it was such a blessing to learn. In Malachi 3, we read about people who robbed God and by not bringing their tithes into the storehouse and how they complained to God and spoke harshly about him. But there was a group of people who were still following the Lord. So in Malachi 3, verses 16 and 17, it tells us this, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. 
So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So ladies, as you get together, as you have the spiritual fellowship with another believer, God listens and he delights in it. Is that not a blessing to us? This doesn't just happen. You do have to make a concerted effort to pray for God to lead you to the person that he wants you to have this kind of fellowship with. You may even need to be bold enough to walk up to a person and say, hey, do you want to go to coffee together or do you want to have lunch? I know this can be very, very scary for some of you, but trust me, it will be well worth it. It does take a little bit of time, and the enemy is certainly going to be there to discourage you. But ladies, persevere. You know, we moved to Texas five years ago, and we started attending our current church about six months later. From the very first Sunday, people were welcoming us. They were genuinely glad that we were there. They let us know about Sunday school and about fellowships and what was happening and invited us to participate. And it took a while, but... I do remember this one Sunday, and we had been out of church for a while. We had vacationed, and then when we came back from vacation, we were sick. And so we hadn't been in church for probably three or four Sundays. But I distinctly remember when church service was over that I just kind of stopped for a minute, and I took this sigh of contentment, and I looked around, and I said, this feels like home, and I'm so glad to be home. Ladies, I want that for you. I want you to be a part of a church family that when you go into the church and you are there, it feels like home. God's word reminds us, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. This is in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Ladies, I'm sure that we all see the day approaching, and we need to be in fellowship with one another. In this life, we are going to face trials and setbacks and discouragements, but God shows us that with Him and with our sisters in Christ, we can be more than conquerors. As we are intertwined together, we become that threefold cord that cannot be quickly broken. And when we do, He uses us for His glory. Girls, I'm going to tell you this in the nicest way possible, but God wants to change your life. So it's time to put those big girl panties on and get to know your sisters in Christ. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat or other women's event? 
then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today. And know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.